you can go to www.myctc.faith. Or if you want to give using PayPal, it's uh, Christ Centered Church. Cash App, it's um, dollar sign CCC2711. Or if you want to give the traditional way, here are the ushers. Just fill out your envelope and drop it in the basket. Amen? God is good all the time. Are you ready? Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you this morning, Lord. We have so much to thank you for. We, we are anticipating the word from God this morning. So we're just going to get everything out of the way and we're going to open our understanding to hear what God has to say to us. Lord, we thank you this morning for the, those that have to give. Those that don't have to give, Lord, I pray that you would continue to make a way for them. Continue to bless us, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Come forward with your tithes and offering, please.
Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Good to be with you. Amen. God is up to something. Amen. And we thank God for all his goodness, his kindness, and his mercy. Just a couple of quick announcements before we get the preacher up before you. Don't forget um, our T-shirts that we have on sale go toward our building fund. We want you to see Sister Sylvia, Sister Patrice uh, tomorrow, next week. <laughs> tomorrow. Next week is our um, last day to get our orders in. So July 4th, next Sunday, get your orders in. If you'd like a T-shirt, we want to have it in full force by picnic time. Picnic, as you know, is July 31st, Saturday, July 31st. We want you to make plans to be there. And for those of you that will bring side dishes or whatever you'd like to bring to the picnic, please, again, Sister Sylvia and let them know what you can bring to make our picnic real festive and us have a good time. Beef patties back on sale strong. <laughs> Amen. I went in the kitchen. Man, the warmer looked uh, full. Amen. So you got beef patties to go. So whenever... You leave out today and you'd like something just to keep you, hold you over. Beef patties are here. So see Sister Sylvia in the kitchen. That would be wonderful. And finally, don't forget next Saturday, every first Saturday of the month, we have our prayer breakfast. Next Saturday is our prayer breakfast. So we want you to come. We start out at 8 a.m. And then right after that, we will do some teaching and then we will just have a wonderful rest of our Saturday, that's next week. And next Saturday, amen, next Saturday, um, Giancarlo and Michelle is getting married. <laughs> amen. And so they are here this morning, early service. They snuck in the early service this morning. Glad to see them. But keep them in your prayers. We want God to bless them. All of you that are married, you know it's the probably the greatest challenge you will ever have in your life, but it's the, it's the second most rewarding thing that you will ever be a part of as you live for Christ. Hope you caught that. <laughs> it's okay to take second seat to Jesus, okay? It's all right. But if you remember them in your prayer, that will be just wonderful. We want God to bless them and keep them and make his way for them. Amen. At this time, I want you to stand with me. Amen. We're not going to waste any time. We want to give the preacher uh, enough time to minister. And Brother Henry, I'm going to call you out real quick. It's not your fault. It's not your fault, Brother Henry. Maybe I didn't get the word around enough. Amen. But you prayed for the man of God, and I don't want the woman of God to be salty when she come up. So we're going to have to pray for the woman of God because she's who's coming for her. <laughs> So I want you to point your hands towards Sister Weber as she comes and say, God bless, God use, Sister Weber. Come on, Sister Weber, and minister unto the Lord. Where's her microphone? All right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Good morning, everyone. It's so awesome to be with all of you and in this wonderful church. Um, I want to give honor to your pastor and pastor's wife, brother and sister Wyatt. They are the most incredible people. They're just, you are blessed to have such wonderful leadership. You really are. And I just want to say I'm going to have to repent because I've been sitting here getting jealous over all this talent in this church. This praise team, 
and these musicians. Oh my word! Where does how does how does God give so much talent into just a few people? I don't understand that. But uh, we love being with with you all. This is my second time here, and I see some familiar faces, and it's good to be with you today. And if you're a guest here today, we welcome you, and we're so glad you're here. Um, I'm going to quickly get into the Word, Matthew 28, and we'll start with verse 1. Now, it's going to sound like I'm preaching an Easter message, but I'm not. I promise. Matthew 28, starting with verse 1, says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake. And became as dead men. Verse 5 says, And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Christ, seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. So before we get into the message today, why don't we just lift our hands and pray and ask the Lord to open our hearts to receive his word. God, we trust you today and we thank you for everything that you've already done in this house. Speak to this people, speak to my heart, let my words speak what you want to say and help us to receive your word today, God. Help it to minister in this place and we will give you all the glory and we will give you all the honor. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Now, this account of the resurrection is in all four of the Gospels. It's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And all of the four Gospels record that women were going to the tomb on the morning of the third day. Now, Matthew mentions two women Mark mentions three women. Luke just says the women which came with him from Galilee. And John only mentions one woman. So it seems that women have been confusing men for a very long time. (laughs) Can I get an amen? (laughs) I just wanted to point that out. (laughs) We're biblical. But these women were going to the tomb to anoint the body. It was like bringing flowers. It was showing their love and their devotion and their respect. And there were these guards that had been stationed at the tomb. And this huge rock had been placed in front to seal the tomb. And it would have been impossible for these women to handle this big rock. And I don't know what they thought they were going to accomplish because women tend to be driven by their heart and by emotions. And although it would have been impossible for them to move that stone and actually anoint the body of Jesus, they still had good intentions and they had good purpose in mind. So they were going to the tomb and they were heavy hearted and they were grieving. They just wanted to do something. They wanted to do anything for Jesus. And they were met by this angel And this angel had a message for them. And so I want to go through this message today, and I want to give you from this angel some divine don'ts. 
That's my message today. Some divine don'ts. In verse 4, we read, The angel said to the women, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. The first don't is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, fear is a natural emotion. It's a response when we feel a threat, whether the threat is real or not. That's the response that we have. And the way fear works is it prepares us to react to danger. Our body releases these hormones that either slow or shut down some functions that we don't need for survival. It will sharpen functions that we need for survival, like our eyesight. Our heart rate will increase. Our blood flow gets quicker to the muscles so you can run faster. You know, so that's how our body reacts to fear. And that's good for that moment to address that threat. But problems arise when we live in constant fear. Okay? When we live in constant fear, that will weaken our immune system. It can impair our memory. It can interrupt processes in our brains that regulate our emotions. It can increase our fatigue. It can bring on clinical depression or PTSD. So no wonder the angel first said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, because until fear is removed, we will never be able to receive what God has for us next. We've got to first get rid of If fear is present, there's no faith to believe for what's next and to be able to respond according to what God is trying to do in our lives. See, these women were about to find out about the most incredible miracle of all time. But first, they had to get rid of fear. And the same is true for us. In order for us to comprehend what God wants to do in our life, fear has to go. In order for us to be able to walk worthy according to his call on our life, first, fear has to go. You know, some of us, if God let us know right away what he wanted us to do for him, we would be scared to death. And so we've got to understand that for God to be able to do what he wants to do in our lives... Fear has to go. Here's why. Because fear is not just the opposite of faith. Fear kills faith. It paralyzes us. But faith is what releases the power of God. Think about what Jesus said in Matthew 17. He said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, remove and it will remove. Nothing shall be impossible to you. Now, when we talk about mustard seed faith, a lot of times we tend to focus on the size because the seed is small, and we say you only need a little faith. And that's true, but there's something else about a seed. It's undeveloped. It's not at its full state, okay? It hasn't reached its full potential. It's the beginning of something that will become much bigger. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. He says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. And he says, the just shall live by faith. So just like a seed will develop from a seed to a sprout to a plant to a tree, that's what our faith does. In the life of the righteous, our faith goes from seed to sprout to plant to tree. From the beginning, when your faith may not be totally developed yet, 
all the time while God is developing you and he's shaping you and he's molding you. Your faith is continually being built until you finish your race. The faith you have today is not your finished faith. You're going to keep developing that faith until you see him. We're going from faith to faith. And even the beginning faith, like a seed, is strong enough, but only if there's no fear. When my mother was very young, I was a toddler. My brother and I were toddlers. She was abandoned by my biological father. And she was in her apartment, and she was laying face down on the floor. And she was crying out to God because she didn't know what to do. She had these two children. She was all alone. And she said the Lord spoke to her the scripture, John and 1, let not your heart be troubled. And she said that was just enough for her to get up off of the floor and say, I can put one foot in front of the other and I can keep moving. So fast forward, she meets a godly man. They get married. Wonderful stepdad to me. They were married for over 30 years and he got cancer and he passed away. And at his funeral, our pastor stepped to the podium and opened his Bible and said, I'm going to read John 14 and 1. See, 30 years later, God says, I've still got you. You just keep the faith. You keep the faith. You don't have to fear. I've got you. Later in that same chapter, John says that Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You know, we're very familiar with the way David said it. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. But here's the key. For thou art with me. God is with us. He is with his people. He is with his children. And just like a parent can calm their children because they know mom is here, they know dad is here, and everything's going to be all right, thou art with me. We don't have to be afraid when we trust in him because he's with us. And we can, you know, we can say, yea, though I walk through the valley of death, or yea, though I walk through the valley of sickness, or yea, though I walk through the valley of family problems. It doesn't matter what the valley is. He's with us, and we don't have to be afraid. I love the way David said it. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord. So you don't have to be afraid. Now, the second message the angel said, verse 6, He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Here's the second don't. Don't look for him in dead situations. God is not in every situation. God is not in every job. God is not in every friendship. Young ladies, God is not in every possible young man you want to date and vice versa. Just because you're there doesn't mean God is there. God is not in every church. God is not in every religious person. Some people keep going to dead situations expecting God to be there, but he's not there. And we have to be willing to recognize that and accept it. These women went to the tomb to anoint a body. Now, that was their purpose, and it was a good purpose. But they didn't find what they were looking for. See, if they had found what they were looking for, that would have been the opposite of God's purpose. 
And we may be disappointed when things don't go like we want them to or if a prayer isn't answered in the manner that we expect it. And if we're not careful, our emotions will dwell on what doesn't happen or what we don't get and not realize that we're looking for him in a dead situation. We've got to be willing to realize he's not there and move on. We're supposed to follow him, not the other way around, right? So don't stay in places, whether it's physically or spiritually, where God is not. Luke 24, when he was talking about the same uh, scenario, he says, why look for the living among the dead? Some situations are dead, but we're still living there. And we keep thinking it should come to life, but God is not there anymore. Think about the Apostle Paul. When he was known as Saul, he thought he was doing right by persecuting Christians. But one day on the road to Damascus, he had this great awakening. He found out that God was not in what he was doing. And God may be trying to send a message to some of us. Wake up. You're stuck there, and I've moved on. I'm over here. Right? We may be thinking we're doing the right thing, but God's not in it. Later, Paul said, this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind. I recognize God wasn't in what I was doing, and now I'm moving forward, and I'm going to forget all that, and I'm following him. We've got to look to him. We've got to follow him instead of expecting him to be following us. So don't be afraid. Don't look for him in dead situations. Now, the third message from the angel is in the end of verse 6. The angel told those ladies, come see the place where the Lord lay. Now, I don't know if these women were skeptical or if the angel just wanted to prove it to them. But for some reason, he felt it necessary for them to actually see that Jesus was not in the tomb. Okay? So the third don't is don't ignore evidence. Don't ignore evidence. See, evidence is an outward sign. It's something that furnishes proof. And our human nature is to want proof about something. And there's nothing wrong with that. But problems arise when God has given us proof, but it's not enough for us. Okay? Think about the things God has given us. He has given us his infallible word. Okay? Jesus said, search the scriptures. They testify of me. That's what he said. God has given us great promises. Paul told us that Jesus Christ came to show that God is true to the promises he made. And God has given us his spirit to guide us. What is speaking in tongues? It is evidence. It is an outward sign that you can know you have been filled with the spirit. All of these things are evidence. And they have been given to us by God to make sure that we are not misled by philosophy, by vain deceit, by tradition of men, by rumors, by culture, by religion. And many times we don't accept these as evidence because we're looking for something mind-blowing. Or we're looking for something unexplainable beyond our understanding. And we ignore the little things that God is doing in the process of answering us and giving us our miracle. 
In this same account in Luke, Luke says that when Peter ran and looked in the tomb, the only thing there were linen cloths, okay? There was just a little cloth laying there. Now, it was important to Jesus that they were not confused or disappointed or misled about what was happening or what God was doing. So he left them a little bit of evidence. Okay? Got me? Sometimes we're looking for thunder, and we're looking for lightning. (laughs) We're looking for somebody to write on the wall, give me my answer. And we miss what God is doing because they, we gave up when all we saw was a hanky. God gave us something little. And do you know if you don't praise him over the little things, you're not going to get the big things. Right? Right? You know, sometimes you might just need to pick up that hanky and say, you know, my son's not saved yet, but at least he went a day without being drunk. That's my hanky. You know, we're, we're waiting on them to preach the gospel, but I'm just thankful that they spoke to me today. I'm going to grab that hanky and I'm going to say, thank God. You know what? The doctor gave me three months to live. I'm still here. He didn't. I'm just using that as a story. Don't. I didn't. Watch out. But you know what I'm saying? We, we want big, miraculous things, and we may not realize God's doing something right here. And then tomorrow he's doing something right here. And then tomorrow he's going to do something else. And we forget to praise him just because he left a little bit of evidence. I'm working. I'm working. We had a, when we first started our church, there was a lady that um, came to our church, and prayer warrior, beautiful lady of God. But her husband made the statement, I will never step into a Pentecostal church. Okay? She prayed, she prayed, she prayed, she prayed, she prayed, she prayed. We had a little children's Christmas program. And the kids said, Daddy, we want you to come see us in the Christmas program. So he came to see his children in the Christmas program. And to his wife, you would have thought he was preaching general conference. You know what? She grabbed that. She grabbed that one thing and said, God, you're working. God, you're working. You can't just, you can't wait for him to just rain down fire from heaven. You better pick up that hanky and you better say, that's a sign to me that God's working. Don't ignore some evidence because God's doing things. It may not be the way we want him to be done, but he's doing them and he's leaving a little bit of evidence along the way kind of like Elijah and that servant during that drought in Israel. They needed rain desperately. And as soon as the servant said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand, they didn't wait till the rain was pouring down. Elijah said, hey, there's your sign. Get up and run. You know, I'm not waiting till the, the rain is pouring down. God's already given me a sign and I'm taking it and I'm running with it. And that's what we've got to do sometimes. Just because we don't see God doing something big doesn't mean he's not working. And if you really believe that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, then you have to trust every little step along the way until you receive the promise you're holding on to. Whatever you're believing God for, there are some little things happening. 
And they are the evidence that God is up to something miraculous. But you can't overlook the process. You can't give in to despair and you can't give up. I'll go back to the story of Chris and Noma. He came to his children's little Christmas program. That was many, many years ago. And today he is a minister and a praise singer in our church. Grab the hanky and run with it. When God gives you just one little thing, you take that and claim that God is doing a miracle. Don't, be dis- don't ignore evidence. And the fourth message that the angel gave was found in verse 7. said, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. So, don't fear. Don't look for him in dead situations. Don't ignore evidence. And finally, don't keep it to yourself. Don't keep it to yourself. The very hope of his resurrection is that one day... Everyone who has obeyed the gospel will be resurrected out of this crazy, sinful world. And everyone deserves that opportunity. Everyone. But they won't hear it if we don't tell it. You know what makes sharing the gospel so incredible? Think about it. If you tell ten people, every person you tell gets to hear the gospel and have a chance to be saved. Romans 1 and 16 tells us that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. You give every one of those people the opportunity for their lives to be completely transformed and have eternal life. But you know what else is amazing when you tell 10 people? You hear it 10 times because you're saying it. You're repeatedly hearing that gospel. In Romans 15, 29, Paul says there's fullness and blessing in the gospel. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 says the gospel is light and it's glorious. So every time you're telling it, you are building up your own spiritual house when you're proclaiming the gospel because that gospel is blessing and light and glory in your own life. So don't keep it to yourself. I want you to notice one more thing about this narrative in Scripture. At that time in their society, women were considered very low in society. But women were told to proclaim the most important message of all to all Christianity, that Jesus had risen. They were the first ones there. They were the first ones that got the message, and they were told, go tell them. So I don't care who you are or what people think about you. God uses anyone. God uses anyone. I don't care your age. I don't care your social status. I don't care your gender. I don't care your culture. I don't care your language. It does not matter. God can use anyone. But we have to be bold enough to step into our calling because we have value. Every one of you have value in the kingdom of God. There is a purpose God needs you to fulfill, whether it's being a preacher, a teacher, a musician, whether you're a Bible study teacher, a cook, a decorator, running media. It does not matter. 
Every person has a gift and a value to the kingdom. And God uses his people to communicate for him and act on his behalf. You don't think God could have heralded his message to everybody? That angel could have gone and told everybody. But the angel said, no, you go tell Because God wants to use us. He wants to use his children and his creation. And you know what? You may think, well, I'm not perfect. Well, join the club. If you read the Bible, you will figure out God has used an imperfect people for all of time. And many of God's children are going to fall at some point in time. But that's what's so beautiful about redemption and about the gospel. Because you can, that grace, his grace and mercy can cover us. And we can step up and still be giants in the kingdom of God. No matter what, God can use anyone. If you let your weaknesses or your failures or your insecurities keep you from your divine destiny, someone will not know God. So keep in mind, remember in our scripture, Mary Magdalene was there? She had a path, baby. But that didn't matter to God. He can use anyone. You have a purpose in advancing the kingdom of God. I love the scripture in Deuteronomy 30, verse 14, where the Lord says the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart. The word is in your mouth. Everything you need to fulfill your calling has been given to you already. You just can't keep it to yourself. Don't keep your gifts, your talents, and your ministry to yourself. Now, I want to, I'm coming to the part of the service where we demonstrate our commitment to the Word. Where we say, I, be, I believe this, I receive this, I want to put this into action. And I want to point out something about the disciples in this group of women. They knew Jesus. They walked with Him daily. In good times, they did not walk away in bad times. They had given their lives to the gospel. The key to God's divine direction in your life is up to you. You have to give your life to him. You have to be faithful to him. You've got to know him. You've got to walk with him daily and be committed and faithful for him to be able to use you in the kingdom. And then when you do that, Every aspect of the kingdom of God is available to you. These people got the message and got the gospel and were part of the greatest miracle of all time because they stayed faithful and they stayed committed. This portion of scripture ends with these words from the angel in verse 7. And behold, he goes before you. Now, yes, he was going before them into Galilee, okay? But Jesus also said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. And there's no greater promise. No spouse can give you a greater promise. No parent can give you a greater promise. I don't care. No politician can give you a greater promise. Jesus has given you a promise that he has gone ahead of you. Wherever you go. He's going ahead of you. There is not one situation. There is not one relationship. There's not one trial or one place that he leads us to 
that he cannot lead us through because he has gone ahead of us. And if you will stand with me right now, I want you to begin to realize that when I stay committed to the kingdom of God, God stays committed to me. You can count on that. That is a promise. See, if you have been afraid, if you have been afraid of things in your life, situations you've had to deal with, if you're afraid of stepping out into your calling with God, the altar is where you can lay that fear down, and it's where you can pick up faith and walk out of here knowing that God is ahead of you, whatever is in your life. If you need to restore your commitment to let him lead you so that you recognize when there's a situation that is dead and God is not there, the altar is where you can do that. For everyone that has experienced fear, doubt, insecurity, you don't have to be afraid. He goes before you and the altar is where you can exchange fear for faith. And you don't have to be paralyzed by all of that. For everyone who has had a situation to die, he gives life, but you have to stay with him. You can renew that commitment at the altar. If you've been waiting on a miracle or an answered prayer, and all you've been getting are little bitty hints, might be working. The altar is where you can say, God, I trust everything you've been doing. That's, that's, where you can, that's where you can put all this into your life. God, here's my fear. God, here's my situation. If you're not in it, give me direction. God, I haven't seen what I want to see, but I want you to know that I'm going to trust every little thing you're doing. God, I'm going to recommit my life to spreading who gave those instructions. People need to hear, and I want to be one to be used. The altar is where you do that. So you know what I want us to do? I don't know what your normal custom is, but if you just want to say, God, I commit these things into my life, why don't you step forward? And there will be people that pray with you. We, we can pray together right now, but I just think there might be some people in here that need to recommit that God... I'm going to trust the little bit of evidence you're giving me. God, I'm going to trust faith over fear. I'm going to put fear aside because fear has been paralyzing me. And I have not been able to do what you have wanted me to do in the kingdom. You know what? When you step forward, that is a sign of faith that says, God, I accept your word. And I'm going to put it into practice in my life. Is there anybody that just wants to, or, or just raise your hand and say, God, I'm going to commit that to you today. I'm going to commit that to you today. And let's, we're going to pray together. We've got ministers in this place that are going to pray with us. I'm going to begin the prayer. And then you begin, you, you talk to him. You tell him what you need to tell him. God, your word today has given me a sure sign that I can step forward in faith, that I do not have to live in fear, that I do not have to be paralyzed when I walk through a valley, when I go through a situation. God, you see my heart, and you know that I want to have faith and trust in you. You know that I want to have faith, that I want to walk you that i want you to go before me god lord help me to set aside fear
be strong in you, God. Come on, lift your voice and begin to tell him, God, I trusted you. I know that your faith will stand with me. I know that your faith will go before me. I know that your faith will speak into my situation. I know that faith in you, God, will help me walk in those places, in those places of despair, in those situations that I don't understand. God, I'm trusting you today. I put my faith in you, Lord. I'm putting my faith in you today. Every situation in my life, if I don't understand, God, show me what you want to show me. Help me to know whether you're in my situation or not. Lead me, God, and guide me in every situation. Those places that I'm not sure whether I should be, God, Give me direction. Give me faith. Give me discernment to know, oh God, what you are doing in my life. God, when all I see is a little bitty sign that you're working, God, help me to trust that you're doing great things. Help me to trust that you're working in my life. Help me there with me every day. Help me to trust that even though I don't see the end, that you are working from the beginning, that you are doing great things. I will trust every little thing that you're doing. I will trust.